Hey everyone, another new episode of Find Your Film. This is kind of weird. This Eric Holmes, you are back on the Find Your Film universe. I guess you've never left. This is Find Your Film episode 150. Eric Holmes does, is doing double duty this week. He was cinematics first and now at Find Your Film. What did we just get done doing, Eric Holmes, that you can say on air? Oh, that I can say on air. Not much. <laughs> there, there, there's a bunch of great stuff. Uh, we So we talked to uh, uh, Kurt Wimmer in kate moyer from uh children of the corn and it was a pretty good interview and what's extra special about it i had a little someone to help me out with the interview who who a little someone i was it was one of my co-hosts what's his name <laughs> greag swerzer yes i did help actually i i will say we all did a I, I we did a decent job i thought we did it we i said we love children of the corn a little bit too much i apologize eric holmes but just because this movie is getting its share of really negative reviews there i, I loved the movie i had a joy three and a half you gave it a three Yep. What, what what would you tell our listeners about Children of the Corn if they're thinking of seeing this in theaters? If they decide not to see it in theaters this weekend, they can check it out on digital and on demand March 21st. What are you and I seeing that some of these critics are not? Well, I think actually, I don't want to give too much away about the interview, but uh, talking with Kurt Wimmer, like his kind of uh, his kind of approach to making movies is to make them fun. And that's, that's kind of, you know, the, he's trying to be entertaining first and foremost. And I, th- I think, uh, you know, th- th- it's not a five star movie, but it's certainly a fun movie. Um, you know, and it's, uh, it's something that you, you know, recommend watching. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm obviously it's not going to be for everyone because it's horror. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I, 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 I guess I get it, but I just don't fully agree, but it, it was great talking with Kurt and he kind of has, uh, a really uh, honest kind of take on his own work. Cause we get in a little bit on that of like uh, some of his movies getting panned in the past and dude, it's just like great equilibrium uh, brought up a uh, uh, point break. Point break Good point job. Break, and, and he's just uh, really uh, just puts it all out there. And I really respect someone that can do it like that. Speaking of putting it all out there, there was a couple years ago, there was an 11 year old Kate Moyer. Now I'm assuming maybe she's either 13 or 14 she she was 15 now 15 now 15 now okay i, I think i think so oh maybe she was 12 playing an 11 year old but is she not an amazing actress and we won't yeah. be able to interview her in a couple of years because she's going to be so big what do you think Eric, <laughs> that, that, that's, <laughs> that's probably very likely very very likely what did you um, like I, I thought she was great about in this movie oh yeah yeah i, I loved her in it and she, she and her and elena pretty much everyone in the movie it's like you know because it's a silly horror movie but when the actors are taking their characters seriously, then you can have more fun with it. Like unlike the Sharknado type movies where the they're constantly winking at the camera, they don't do that in this. You know, they take it seriously, and and it kind of uh, kind of allows the audience to kind of loosen their tie a bit and have more fun. Eric, I don't know if you agree. Maybe we're being biased, but after listeners, if you after listening to this interview, we actually have a Patreon section that we just cut out for our Cinematics Patreon members. Please join us at uh, at yeah. monthly thing because Eric's doing working on the Discord channel situation, which I'm gonna we're, we're gonna talk about in a, in a couple of seconds. But um, yeah, it's a, we have a Patreon situation where we talk about the ending of Children of the Corn and Eric. Is that not some really value added information he, for? He, yeah. he, he he dropped a bomb. He dropped a huge bomb, and I cannot wait to see what comes of this. <laughs> it's a bomb filled with corn oil and alternate. Re- I, yeah. I don't even want to say anything more. It's word salad. There's just so many things. So if you are Patreon members and are and are listening, a Cinematics Patreon member already, so don't worry. We'll be putting it up this weekend as far as spoilers go. Eric, you wanted to say something about a YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't get the chance get the chance to ask this in the interview, um, but uh uh, Kurt Wimmer has a YouTube channel, Colt Kino House, K-U-L-T-K-I-N-O-H-A-U-S. And um, I have I just found out about this today, so I haven't got a chance to look at it. But it looks like he's got uh, eight videos up, and it's him doing uh, basically live writing a script. And I heard him mention this on another interview where once the script's done, he's going to shoot it, and uh, he's got some fun things to do with that. So I... You know, me loving writing this. I'm I'm gonna eat this up uh, 
pretty on pretty short order. We we will leave that YouTube channel. Eric's going to give me the YouTube channel link, and we'll put it on our Find Your Film show notes. Also, in this episode, which you're not a part of, Eric, but I'm going to put it at the end. I oh, did. That's you, cool. you, you do you do not know this. There's a movie called The Donor Party, which hits theaters, digital, and on demand Friday, March third. I interviewed Aaron Hayes, one of the actors in the film, and she's very good. She was in a she played the wife of Peter Billingsley in Chris that Christmas story movie, the okay. sequel to that. Yeah, okay. So yeah. So so interviewed her. She's did did we talk about that on the show? No, we did not. See, I, this is I, whole... I, I really like that one. I like it, what... it, I I know they've had like a bunch of Christmas story sequels. Oh, I just okay, saw right. the original, but I oh, saw yeah, that I saw the uh, was it a Christmas story story or what, what whatever yeah. the one that just came out. That that one's pretty good. Okay. I, I, I was a I was a pretty big fan of that. And then I interviewed writer director from the Donor Party. The Donor Party is about a, a woman played by Malin Ackerman. She is single and recently, actually, recently divorced. Or she broke up with her, yeah, her ex lover or ex boyfriend or ex. Husband, maybe ex-husband. I forget. Ex-lover. He he's moved on and he's had babies. And now now she wants to actually have babies herself. She's a single woman, but she decides to actually. Her friends throw her something called the donor party, where several guys, prospective mates, sperm donors, unwittingly will have sex with her one night stand and donate their sperm to her. So she'll have maybe several one night stands in one evening. Hopefully some of these little spermy swimmy things will go. And, and uh, what, what do they do? I, I'm, I don't know about the facts of life. They'll, they'll give her they'll, one of these little sperm things. will give her a baby. That is the premise of the donor party written and directed by Tom Harp. And what's funny about that is I, I asked him about writing, the fear of writing, which you don't have, Eric Holmes, because you've actually written your own script, which I really enjoyed. And eventually you're going to shoot that in a movie. But Tom Harpwood's talking about the idea, his screenwriting advice is to actually have the vomit draft where you write something, just go full bore and just go for it and edit it. And then, and, and now we're going to have the counterpart where Kurt Wimmer, to your point, talks about his screenwriting process. So listeners, if you are in, even if you're not interested in seeing Children of the Corn, which we both liked, and The Donor Party, which I liked as well. You don't want to see these movies, but are maybe interested in screenwriting. Take a listen to both these interviews with Tom Harp and Kurt Wimmer and Kate Moyer. And then I have Aaron Hayes as well. Any final things before we get out of here, Eric Holmes? Uh, just it, it was great talking with uh, Kurt and Kate. And they're, uh, I had a horrible time. They were wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And you were great. I told you, Eric, that you're going to be the alpha. So <laughs> there was that one moment where there was like that little radio silence and I was I whenever there's like a little bit of a um like sort of a space I get I get nervous and I just jump in with my words up yeah so you know better next time just outduel me on, on when I'm when you see me trying to jump uh, on that space oh, sorry yeah. I, well I, I was trying not to take up all day in the room I was like I just asked the question I should let Greg hop in <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean the, the, they're so engaging that like it, I could easily talk to him for hours just going on and on but you know we we have it although it was pretty pretty long interview like almost a half hour I think so it, it worked out pretty good and I got a couple interviews coming up later which uh let's hear it will be, we, yeah. uh, let's see we got uh, uh the the well, let me, let me pull them up. We got the uh, director for I Got a Monster, which I believe we're covering on the next, next week. episode. Yes. Um, Corrupt uh, the, Baltimore Cop, which, by the way, listeners, I think it the, the I don't know the name of the cop. Maybe you do, Eric, but his life is portrayed by John Bernthal in the limited miniseries or limited series We Own this city or we own the city which is currently streaming on HBO Max. And oh, Eric's really? Gonna, yeah. I, and I'm, Eric is going to interview that out. Okay, and Eric, you're going to interview the director, not of We Own This City or We Own The City, the director of I Got A Monster, which is based on the real-life events. Yeah, yeah, and, and we got that. We got uh, the director of The Ritual Killer and the worst ones, the directors of The Worst Ones, which uh, we won't cover that for another couple weeks. couple weeks. Look out for that one. It's going to be good. It's going to so be this- good. Listeners, what Eric and Bruce really wisely suggested I do was cinematics will be for mainly hardcore. Like every week, we're, all three of us, we get together and Anderson in the middle of the month, we talk about the movies that are coming out that week. And Find Your Film, this Find Your Film is a compliment to that where we're going to have a lot of the, all of our interviews will be housed here on the podcast feed. And I'm also going to be doing some Blu-ray and DVD stuff. Speaking of which, if you have any re- movie recommendations for me, Eric, Bruce, and Anderson, 
email me at info at findyourfilms.com. If you email me a movie recommendation or talk about one of your favorite films, you will be up for a digital code of Empire of Light. No one has emailed me yet, Eric Holmes. I want people in this vast universe of the world to give me some movie recommendations. I feel so lonely without them. Do, uh, don't you feel lonely, Eric, when people don't email ham slime at you? Don't give me a re- movie recommendation. Don't ty- are you typing up a movie recommendation and sending it to my email right now? Don't you get lonely? I was, I was just people- about to do that, but maybe I won't now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can do that. You don't qualify since you're a co-host of both Cinematics and Find Your Film. Don't you feel lonely when people don't email you over at ham slime.com or maybe you won't feel lonely tomorrow what's going on tomorrow night on friday uh yeah tomorrow we're doing a first watch along on the cinematics discord for the patreon and uh we'll see how that goes hopefully so, people will show up maybe <laughs> it'll just, it's just gonna be me watching gin by myself maybe <laughs> uh, i will definitely pop in for in and out uh that you know okay i was gonna say uh, that's stupid that's what you said but that's a corny line now but <laughs> I was, I was, i'm gonna stop by folks i can hear that joke 69 more times <laughs> 69 more times yeah so yeah this is a family show but it, look no this is not a family show that's cinematics this is find your film now so tomorrow what Eric's been doing for our cinematics and find your film family. He's doing this discord situation. I have definitely got to get on the ball behind discord. And we're going to be for our Patreon members. We're going to be doing watch alongs. And I don't know, maybe I didn't even tell us to Eric yet. Maybe we'll just have once in a while for our Patreon members, or maybe who knows once a week, once every two weeks, Eric will be the boss of that. We might just have hangs and maybe the Patreon members can ask us our opinions on certain things or movie recommendations. That's part of the whole Patreon package along with the Children of the Corn spoiler stuff. I think there's another spoiler stuff that we have. Oh, I got um, Matt Nabel from Transfusion talking about the end of Transfusion, which Eric Holmes, a positive. You, yes. I, yes, for people who haven't had uh, listened to Cinematics, what can you say about Transfusion? Recommend or no? It's it's oh it's weird. It's a recommend for me. It's not the movie I thought of. It was going to be going in. But it was like one of those, oh, this is what it is. I like this. Right. I like and, this a lot. Okay. And this is very important. Okay. Now, Transfusion, it hits stateside. Theaters, VOD, and digital March 3rd. If you have not listened to Cinematics, just a little value add here for the Find Your Film podcast. Sam Worthington plays a former Army guy, soldier, who has to go back. Not go back to the Army, but he... He uh, reconnects with an old army buddy because he needs to make ends meet. He is a single dad due to a tragedy regarding his wife. Unfortunately, the jobs that he take require his sniper abilities. And we know what snipers do, right? So it's it seems like sort of an action thriller crime situation. But as Matt Nabel talks about in the inter- in my interview with him earlier this week on Find Your Film, that it's really not a crime drama it's really more of a relationship kind of film do you agree with that assessment eric that's more about relationships and or do you still see a little bit of the genreified crime elements to it i mean there's definitely a genre of crime elements and we talked about this on the review but uh i, I thought it had a lot of similar dna as uh killing of two lovers it, yes. it was kind of kind of that sort of pace but we're like killing of two lovers was like really slow pace throughout this has like little little uh, sprinkles of uh, action in it. Not, not a lot, but you know, there, there's some there. And then okay. that there's also scenes where it's like, Oh damn. <laughs> like that, there was a couple of times where I just want to stop watching. I'm like, I, I can't, I just can't. It's, it's, it's too heavy. I can't do it. It is a very heavy movie transfusion. If you have not listened to my interview with filmmaker, Matt Nabel, that is on our find your film episode, the previous episode to this one. But until then check out these interviews with children of the corns, Kate Moyer, and Kurt Wimmer. And then after that, you're going to get interviews with the donor parties, Aaron Hayes and the donor party filmmaker, Tom Harp. More information on that will be in our show notes. Final thoughts, Eric, before we go. Check out Cinematics and find your film. They're pretty good. I got two good. I got two great co-hosts and you can listen to them too. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks again for the support. We'll, We'll talk to you soon. Prepare to witness the horrific rise of the next generation of evil. Based on the short story, by Stephen King, comes the nightmare, like you've never seen it before. 
sucks. So hard sometimes you can hardly breathe. But I can help with your pain. Brace yourself. He who walks. He talked to me. He took care of me. So now I'm going to take care of him. Like killing all the adults. For starters. alarm you and don't make any sudden movements but right behind you is a girl with a sickle in her hand and she's creeping up on you i normally i would be creeped out but she's just a great actress so i'm not too worried about it isn't she oh. i love by the way that scene you have up in your background that's one of my favorite scenes it's just this great performance there that pastor penny that's you know implied there was some abuse there in the foster home and she really takes it to him. Yeah. She's like, you know, essentially saying, you'd be lucky to go out into the corn. No, you're going to have to deal with me. <laughs> yeah. So you, Eric, you're almost ready. Yeah. Let me, let me hit record on my end just in case. Okay, cool. All right. All right. Are we the last one for you guys today? Yeah, I think so. Okay. We're going to make it memorable. Hopefully. Yeah, we just, we just, <laughs> no, we won't. Don't, don't getting, set the bar that high. <laughs> we're just getting warmed up. Okay, very good. So uh, we're here with uh, Kurt Wimmer and Kate Moyer. And Greg, Greg, me and you get to interview people at the same time, so this will be fun. Um, but uh, uh, Kurt Wimmer directed Children of the Corn. And we only have 20 minutes, which is not nearly enough time to talk about how great Kate is in this movie. Um, I, I don't know what's in the water, but something with uh, uh, child actors, young adult actors such as yourself, um, just been killing it between this uh, Lunana Yak in the classroom and now, yeah, Children of the Corn. Um, Kurt, you must be a lucky, lucky man to have someone like this on your cast. I absolutely feel that way. Uh, both her and Elena, uh, you were, they knocked it out of the park. And, you know, you, you go into it, you don't know what you're going to get. You know, you have to, you, you just have to uh, roll your dice on who you think is best, you know, through the audition process, which is not a thorough process. And you have to hope because you're putting all of your marbles on on an 11 year old. I mean, because Kate is the anchor for the film. If Kate doesn't work, the film doesn't work, period. There's nothing you can do about it. So, you know, we're putting all of our money on an 11 year old girl to do something that most professional actors can't do, which is hold the screen and be so charismatic that you may believe that, you know, a, a bunch of kids are going to follow her to do all these horrible things. And you want to follow her as an audience member, too. It's, you know, this is what the actors, the best actors are made of. And she's definitely one of them, in my opinion. And I was, so yes, I, I, I was lucky and I knew it at the time. I was at the monitor and I was like, oh, I can't believe how good she is. Thank you. Kate, uh, Kate you, oh, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I, I, I was going to say, Kate, um, could you please uh, elaborate on how great you are on this? <laughs> no, I, no, that's okay. I think I'm good. <laughs> You, you know, that said, Kate, uh, you know, with all the praise that Kurt's given you, looking back a couple of years ago, how did you do it in, in in essence? Because the whole movie rides on your performance. Did you actually just put that away at 11 and just say, hey, I'm just going to go for it? Or was it just having someone like Kurt as a great collaborator to actually urge you to give like a really knockout performance? How did you how were you able to do it? You know, I, th- I think it was all of it where, you know. As an 11 year old, you know, nothing really faces you as much as it would, you know, as like an adult where, you know, you don't really have any fears. So that definitely made it like that much easier. But also, you know, the way Kurt and I were able to, you know, really work on Eden, we created a character together. Um, Every single day we would talk about like, you know, how this scene is going to impact the rest of it just because of how she reacts in this scene. And I feel like that 
like we really got to to build this character and I was able to have so much creative liberty with her because of you know like I was allowed to bring parts of myself into Eden where you know normally you know you may not be able to and I feel like that helped to you know make it more believable so thank you Kurt well we were absolutely a team and we were a very odd team I mean you know it's me you know at my age and her at 11 years old but we were like you know we were like that this in terms of not like being palsy wowsy but in terms of creatively like you know and I never talked to her one second I don't think Kate like a child like an 11 year old it never occurred to me I, I always thought to her like you know you're my actor and and um let's let's do do this and we talked to her and we we really did minute by minute create the character together and it was a great a, a really great and rewarding creative experience and uh kurt you've done a bunch of writing uh, a lot of uh, adaptations and remakes um uh thomas cran affair sphere uh total recall uh point break which um i know that movie got shit on but i i love that one the uh the there was a bit um it, it really uh got the uh I don't want to say religious aspect, but the the kind of uh, kung fu aspect of uh, extreme sports that I don't think comes across in the original. But I guess the question is, like, uh, when you're adapting, uh, you know, these things, like, what's kind of going through your mind, or what are you trying to get across, or uh, does it feel like uh, having a co-writer of sorts uh, with the the previous writers? Well, well, listen, you know, it's, it's, it, it depends. You know, the funny thing, if you go back to Point Break really quickly, is um, uh, I'm actually quite proud of that movie, but I, it shouldn't have been called Point Break. It should have just been given its own title. And that was what, what, what people were reacting to, because everybody justifiably, and I do love the original. And, um, and uh, you know, so, and that was what, you know, it, people were, were comparing it to. And the original is one of my favorite movies of all time, as is the original Total Recall. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. The thing is, is, you know, they were making them. They were in a name. So I was like, well, someone's going to F it up. It might as well be me. Um, but, you know, so, um, I, you know, obviously I do look at what went before and how much I liked them. But, you know, as, as a writer, you don't have infinite control <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. And then, you know, there's other creative forces and environmental forces like budget and where you're to come in that, that start to shape the story after you do it. So but all you can do is, you know, try your best. You know, you just like go for it. Like, OK, let's just go for it. And you never know. You know, you never know what's going to happen or how it's going to turn out. Um, but, you know, I, and it's funny to say that because I, I never think of myself as somebody who does adaptations because I've done also many original films, you know, like Equilibrium or Ultraviolet or Law Abiding Citizen, Salt, and, you know, on and on. on, on. And so I, it's funny, I, I never really thought of myself as an, an adapter, but, you know, that's what's out there today. Every, they, they, you can't get a movie's made unless it's a sequel or it's a remake, or it's based on a comic book. They're, they're not making original films anymore. So that's that's kind of what you have to do. Um, and it's not, you know, what my dream is not to sort of, you know, go back and sort of remake movies, but that's that's the way it is. Um, but yeah, so, I, I, you know, I try and, you know, keep the spirit of the original, but everyone's different. You know, like Thomas Crown, you know, it's presented different challenges and, um they're all different. It's always a, it's a completely different experience, but I, I do my best. Yeah. You know, Kate, Kate, I was just wondering when Children of the Corn wrapped in, in a tangible fashion, in what ways have you grown as an actress within those ensuing years? And on the flip side of that, to piggyback off that, Kurt, how great is it for you to, to see her growth as an actress, even after the film is wrapped? So just those two part questions. Uh, well, Eden, well, you know, definitely she brought out this sort of confidence in me because, you know, she's, she's constantly like the leader she's leading these kids or she's leading this town and she's, she's taking control. And I feel like that brought out some sort of confidence in me because I remember when I first started out acting, I was the shyest person you've ever met. I would like hide behind my parents' legs. And I I think that Eden, as the years went by, she brought out some more confidence in me. Like if I was just talking to people or if it was on screen, it really allowed me to, kind of be myself more or, you know, free, be free to, you know, express myself. And I feel like Eden really helped me to grow into this, this new, more confident version of myself. Oh, what was my part of the question? Just again? seeing her grow, even after oh, your film yeah. was wrapped. Yeah. Um, I hate it. I hate it. I just, uh, it's, I don't want her to grow. 
I want her to stay Eden. I want her to stay, and then I can make as many movies with Eden as I, I want. I don't want her to grow up. This is awful. You're not like seeing kids grow up. <laughs> but 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 you know, listen, she's going to grow up, and she's um, already a great. I mean, like she's already a great actress, a really great actress. So I imagine she's only going to get better. I'm very excited for the future. But selfishly, if I had my choice, uh, hormone injections, no growing anymore, stunt the growth. There we go. Okay, can you do that right now? Can you? I mean, it's a director. He knows what he's doing. So, <laughs> but can I keep my straighter teeth, please? That yeah, Just, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I heard in a, a interview that you did that um, you guys grew your own corn for this. What what happened to the corn after the movie, or did it just all burn? Spoilers, I guess. Um, we did grow on corn. We, we became corn farmers. We learned a lot about corn. You'd be surprised. There's not as much information about corn online as you need. I mean, there, there's stuff that you don't take into consideration because we were trying to figure out how fast does corn grow because we needed to shoot when the corn was at its peak. And it's at its peak for a very short window. And we had everything had to be timed perfectly. And it's COVID and all these crazy things. And, uh, you know, like two weeks before we were shooting, we were out in the corn. We've got 45 acres or something like that of corn that we've grown. And it's only up to our knees. And we're like, I'm like, oh, my God, we're shooting in two weeks. How fast does stuff grow? And you can't find out. But fortunately, it, it managed to grow right there. But we did. We burned some of it. Um, and then we also we enhanced it digitally to some extent too. But ultimately what happened was they then, uh, after that, we plowed it under, or they plowed it under, somebody plowed it under, and then they, they fed it to the animals um, because that was um, animal-grade corn that we grew. Very cool. Um, I didn't know there were different kinds, but now I know a lot about corn. Kate, I have a question for you. Um, after watching this movie, I really want to see more of your work. I'm looking at your IMDb right now. I really enjoyed Buffalo. I thought that was very underrated. But what would you have our listeners and viewers check out from your resume after watching Children of the Corn and if they've already seen Buffalo? What from your resume are you proud of and you want us to check out? I think there's some stuff that's coming up, uh, I think, this year or the next few years that I, I am really proud of that I hope people will get to see. Um one of them is called Out of My Mind. It's based on the book Out of My Mind. And I think I think I'm really excited for that one to come out because the story is just so great. Um, Holly Hobby, I highly recommend. I, I'm a little biased because I love Holly Hobby. Um, and I spent so much of my childhood doing it. But I recommend it if you're just looking for a really wholesome show to just enjoy. Um, I don't know. If, if you like, you know, thriller movies, you can watch Our House. I'm not trying to advertise myself here, but that's kind of what I'm doing. So, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Um, Eric, can I ask one quick question? Kurt, Eric might know this answer better than me, but I remember remember several years ago, I always asked a favorite movie question and I I asked someone, I forgot who she was. She was a really well-known actress, what her favorite movie was. And she, um, she said equilibrium. And then a couple of other people said, Oh yeah, I love that movie. It's so underrated. I love it. I love it. Eric probably knows the answer. I still have, I apologize. I haven't seen equal equilibrium. What, what kind of, what kind of reaction have you gotten over the years? Because I'm sure that kind of reaction is very common for you as a filmmaker. Well, you know, it's good. You know, this is story of my life, but it was savaged by the critics. Absolutely savaged by the critics, which is very depressing. But then, you know, within two days, people actually started going to theater and seeing it and then registering online and they loved it. I mean, you know, people, I, I get it all the time. People say I, they just love they just love that film. You know, Christian's great in it. Um, you know, and it's got Gun Kata and Dion Beebe, two pine time Oscar winners, shot it. And so it's just a this gorgeous film. Very, very, very proud of the film because I got to make the film I wanted to. I didn't get, you know, really um, any interference uh, from the studio, which was one, which was um, uh, to mention Miramax. Uh, and so... Um, yeah, so the, the reaction, you know, after the critics got their their first digs in, you know, uh, it was like seventeen percent or something on the tomatoes, and um, but you know, but I, I believe a lot of opinions been revised since then. Yeah, I actually guess just to follow up on that, I know what's what's your take on critics just in general? Like, you know, Greg and I are critics, so we're we're the evil ones, and I totally understand that. But uh, well, like with the equally. Uh, my mouth doesn't work. Equilibrium, <laughs> you know, was panned when it came out, but uh, you know, I watched it when it came out on DVD. And I was like, "This thing's awesome." What are they talking about? But, but like, uh, 
you know, movies tend to get life afterwards. But like when uh, when critics kind of pan your movie at the time, I'm sure that feels bad. But what's just your over thoughts on, overall thoughts on <laughs> critics in general? They're, they're entitled to their opinion. I don't, you know, uh, I, I just look at it and say, am I happy with the movie? It, did it entertain me? And um, and then, you know, but, and I mostly care about the audience. You know, I, this is the whole point is, you know, um, we're not curing cancer here. We're here to try and entertain and give people like an hour and a half or, of their life where they can just like forget about all the bad stuff and, and laugh or, or, or be scared or, 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 you know, just be moved um, or think, oh, that was cool. You know, that's what I want. You know, I'm a I'm I'm a movie maker in that I really first and foremost want people to like, be entertained and just feel good. You know, it's the reason we love movies, the reason we go to see movies. I want the, the, when I go to see a movie and I get in the theater, and I'm like, you know, like if it's Mission Impossible Six Fallout or something I'm like, hell yeah, you know that feeling that's so great. I want to I want to you know if I can share that with people, that would make me happy. You know, on, on that point, I think re- regarding reviews, Kurt, I think a lot of reviews aren't mentioning the fact that, you know, having Kate and Elena front and center anchoring this narrative and knocking it out of the park, it's just really rarely seen in these type of films. Can you speak to that? I just, I mean, I know that's a story, but I think it's really cool that you have uh, these really talented actors just anchoring your project and both of them are still respectively young and they're going to go off and do great things. But I think you're like ahead of the game in that sense as a, as a storyteller. Well, it's as, as blessed to do it. And, you know, it's a parents risk again to, to um, put your entire film on the shoulders of an 11 year old and, and, and Elena, Elena's more mature, obviously, and, but they're both great actors. Um, but you know, they, they, they are the whole movie. There is no movie without them that they are it. You know, they, they are it. You can have all the pyrotechnics you want and all the ideas you want, but without those characters centering you and drawing you in into the reality of what they're doing, you've got nothing. And they, they bought it and they delivered this. Is my favorite scene in the film is at the end when they're sitting in the car together and there's no distractions, there's no props, there's no blocking, there's no nothing. It's just uh, a 17 year old girl and an 11 year old girl sitting there having it out, like two actors just going head to head and you know, neither one of them is able to roll over each other, but they're not cutting each other any breaks either. And I, I think that's just amazing. Yeah. Can uh, I should? Oh, uh, oh, I was gonna say, uh, should should we uh, ask the box question? You can ask. Yeah, ask away. Yes. So our uh, our our third co-host uh, Bruce is not with us today. Uh, has a box, and he likes people to put movies in the box, and then he draws one out every week and watches it. Um, actually, one of them uh, just a couple months ago was Buffaloed. But what's a uh, movie that both of you uh, like that you think uh, is either personal to you or maybe uh, it's like, ah, you know, more people need to see this. This is really great. And no one ever talks about it. Something that you'd like to put in the box. Hmm. Well, my current favorite movie, and it has been for a while, is um, the first Avatar movie from, I think, 2008 or nine. I was born then, so I can't really speak to like all the things there was now, but I, I love that movie. And I think it's really great because, you know, like I really didn't want to watch a movie for whatever reason when my parents first introduced it to me, but then it was so good. And then they have a second one. Now they're going to have like five. And I think that's great. It's just a good friend. What was it, Kate? Avatar. Oh, oh, Avatar. Right, right. (laughs) Well, I'll answer it for me. You know, um, I know you guys seen it but and a lot of people seen it, but there's been a lot of people who haven't seen it and it's one of my absolute top favorite movies of all time and my family's favorite we watch it over and over and over again and that's brian de palma's phantom of the paradise greg okay kurt uh you know what uh, do we have 20 minutes or 30 minutes brian de palma is my favorite director he is very uncompromising and he could have gone the studio route meaning uh, i don't want to name names but he could have just you know cash it all in com- gone completely studio do you see a pair? I mean, do you see a connection with um, Brian De Palma as far as uncompromising vision and just knowing what he wants as a as a visionary? I mean, well, you know, he's an interesting character. I mean, it's, it's you know, I mean, his you know, his, his later films deserve a different kind of conversation. But you know, what he did in in The Fan of the Paradise and Carrie, you know, and then and then Scarface. You know these three movies, holy mackerel! I mean, they were uh, they were ma- magnificently done in every way. He just understood 
things about camera and drama and music. I mean, he goes way over the top with music every time, but it works. I mean, it just works. He's like, you know, the music's chewing up the scenery of it, but it works. And, um, but he really understood, you know, you know, and, and, and I talked about Carrie a lot when I was making with my DP, Andrew Owens, when I was making this movie. And I talked to him because it was about what I love about Carrie was, you know, is that the high school scenes felt so naturalistic and they felt, you know, like very classic American. Everything's golden. You know, it was, you know, the happiest time of everybody's life, you know, and, and it all just seemed so natural and innocent. And a lot of it was just sort of the lighting and, you know, and the, the way he framed it, the way he shot. I've studied that film in, in tremendous depth, um, the way the shots are constructed, et cetera. Um, and I wanted uh, Children of the Corn to have that same innocence at the beginning as well. You know, everything is just like, this is a storybook little town in Nebraska with corn and kids playing in the corn. And then, but Phantom of the Paradise also is just the, the way the camera is used in that um, movie is utterly, absolutely incredible. I think it's a great story too. And obviously one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. Yeah, Paul Williams. Um Eric, can I steal one more question and then you can wrap it up? Okay. Kurt, I interviewed a filmmaker, um, writer, director, just like you today. And he talked about um, the vomit draft where you just put everything you want in your first draft and you just go full bore and then you can can revise it and you can edit it. Do you believe in some sort of facsimile of a vomit draft where – and is that why you're a successful writer where you just don't, no, you're pretty no, no holds bar. Okay. Sorry. No, I don't, I don't, I don't, because I don't, I don't think you should vomit. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, just, just write, just write all the good stuff uh, the first time and do it right. That's what I believe. So, you know, the, do the good draft. Why? Well, I mean, it seems like a poor, you know, no, no offense on that, that director. Right. Everybody has their own process, but to me, you know, um, just uh, the more sustainable business model, just do it right the first time. Um. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Kate, I, I, I have a question. Kate, I have a question. I'm 51. How do I get your confidence? Do, do I just have to work with Kurt or is it, or is it more complex? Please tell me, cause I don't think I'm going to get to talk to Kurt after this. How do I get my own confidence and be, you know, get people up on the thing and be powerful like you? For people. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know. You just, you find someone who is, you know, inspiring and you, 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 adapt some of their traits and boom you're now confident also don't think about what people think about you well what, what did you find uh interesting about kurt uh, what, yeah as far as a collaborator to, to give you confidence what what was unique about him as a, a filmmaker well it wasn't like my ideas were being being shut down they were embraced you know where you know we were on set and it was like i would say something like oh what if eden did this and he's like okay yeah let's try that it wasn't like, no, we're, we're not going to do that just because it doesn't feel right. Like my confidence wasn't being shot down and my ideas, like my self-esteem was boosted because, you know, my ideas were being recognized. Eric, you want anything? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I wanted to bring up, uh, uh, Kurt, you get to work with David Ayer again. Looking forward to that. Love Street Kings. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, uh, we're, we're, we just finished shooting and thanks, Thanksgiving. David's putting the movie together now. Uh, David's a really interesting cat and he really knows what he's doing. He really comes prepared, you know, which I really admire. And, you know, um, and so, you know, uh, hopefully we'll do another one, uh, another beekeeper too. Um, we think we will uh, after that as well. Yeah. I, I just curious question that Eden and Berlin uh, situation, I just, can you guys talk about that kind of relationship? Because Eden could have just snapped her fingers like that and she would have been gone, but there's su- there's something about her that wants to keep her around. Do you think there's a respect for her or she kind of cares for her? I just thought that really back and forth chess match was very interesting as far as the, the story went, that kind of well, chemistry. Well, well, I'll jump in real quick. And that is because Bo is, 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 is still a child in many ways. She's about to leave home and become an adult, right? Next week. But she has, so she has her feet, one foot in both worlds. And, but neither one of them is really sure. Like the adults don't accept her and yeah, they don't give her her real agency. She's still just a kid. You know, she comes into the that big community center meeting and, and they just start laughing, you know? And, and, and so, you know, in that way, and then they laugh at Eden too, which is the biggest mistake they ever made. But in that way, you know, they're bonded because everybody laughed at them and their ideas so Eden 
the kids kind of give her a bit of a side eye because they're, they're like, you're a kid, but you're kind of an old kid. You know, you're, you're, have you, you know, Eaton says it in there. She says, whose side are you on? You know, mm-hmm. and that is the question for Bo. Whose side is, who decided is she on? And, you know, ultimately she's on her own side um, or the side, the, the side of stability. But that that's one of the debates in the movie. I feel like because Eden and her, her issues with trusting people that aren't like around her age and, she she trusts Bo not not necessarily because she's you know not necessarily an adult but because that and she did stand up for the corn and she stood up against the adults who she has she has this like hate for um and I feel like you know that kind of wanted them like what Kurt said and she feels like she she has this sort of connection with her and she's she's able I don't even know how to explain it they just She's the, she she trusts her until she doesn't. Where she she tries to prove and see who says she really is on. Like when she almost you know kills Sheila, um, just to see. But I feel like that makes the dynamic more interesting because they're constantly trying to like out manipulate each other. And and the also you know the reality of it is if you think about it is you know one of the things that Kate you know, Eden says throughout the movie is you know her her byline really is hi Bo, you know. And which, you know, says from the very beginning, it's just these kids grew up together. So three years ago, she was eight and Berlin was, you know, 14. She was, you know, so they've, so they have, they've been kids together for a long time. And so, you know, it's a little weird to root for, you know, it's, it takes a minimal adjustment to think, oh, Bolin's actually turning into another kind of creature because uh, Eden has uh, been accustomed to her being a child for so long. She's watched her grow up. They're giving us a wrap-up sign. Thank you guys so much for your time. Really love the film. Eric, you want to say sign off to something? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. I look forward to the beekeeper. And, uh, Kate, looks like it uh, might put me out of my mind, so that'll be good stuff, and hopefully we have to talk to you in the future. All right, Eric and Nuggets, thank you guys for having us. Also, look for Expendables 4, which I wrote coming out later this oh. year as well. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Take care. We love the film, by the way. We, we love that. Thank you so much. I ran into my ex with his beautiful new wife and their baby. You remember Gia? Last time I saw her, her face was covered by your crotch. <coughs> when we were married, he said he didn't want kids. And now I'm never going to be a mom. You don't need a husband to have a baby. Just go and get some. What? You know? Mm. 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 Oh. I don't want to sleep with some rando. I want to know that the father of my child is a good person. Hey. What? If we found them for you. I'm thinking two, maybe three. We got to flood the fallopian tubes. You're you're talking about an orgy? No, that's insane. You can't do that. You can't just... Although, it could work. Is there nuts in that? I can put nuts in it for you. Would you like that? I can put nuts anywhere you'd like. Okay. I can do this. It's just casual sex. Go on in. Sleeves the day. Hi. Hi. Just like a game. Make you play. I'm MJ. Guys, no, thank you. I'm taking an Uber later. Um, I'd like to be of sound mind when I'm in a car with a stranger. Oh, this is not me. You're gonna be a slut tonight. Slut. Ah, slut. How about we talk about you? How about we don't talk? Yes, you have a bush. You have actual pubic hair. You were supposed to find me nice guys so I could have nice babies. You're gonna love my guy. That is a shirtless chef. When are you, uh, bozos, give me a stripper? You're welcome. It's hot in here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm Frank and pregnant tonight. We wait for everything in our lives. We have to wait for them to ask us to prom, to ask us to marry them until they're ready to have kids. Well, I am done waiting. Don't cross the line. Don't pretend that you don't stare. Getting a little help from gravity. I love this party. Oh, no. Condom broke. Oh, no. Maybe you too big and the condom burst. Who here has not had sex with Jacqueline tonight? Did you have a gangbang at my birthday party? No. This is like the bachelorette. Obviously, I mean, you're uninvited to Thanksgiving. Yes, Tom, how are you? I'm doing really well. How are you? So, great. I'm doing great. So I apologize if you're going to hear, see some of this sun streaking coming here. It's, just it's okay. My... I had, I had it blasting in. I had to put something up to block it um, earlier. So totally used to it. No worries. <laughs> okay. So 
the donor party, I really love the cinematic challenge of putting everything in almost one enclosed space. Can you just talk on a filmic level how you, it, it doesn't seem like you'd have to shot design a lot, but when you dig deeper, you probably had to do a lot of either shot listing or just planning. So, um, well, we're just going to jump right in. I love that. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the whole the whole goal for me on um, the donor party was to. I, I really don't like the movies that that are in one location where it doesn't feel justified. Where it's like, well, why don't they just leave? So part of the challenge was to write a story. You know, and and I I wanted to write something where um, that I knew we could do um, on a on a limited budget and and with a limited schedule, but that wouldn't feel like it. So part of it was, okay, if we're gonna be in one house, then it has to be a stunning looking house. You know, it's got to be a house that's got a lot of different um, angles to it uh, that that we can explore and and have fun with, and and a good contrast from being inside and outside. And you know, it was I knew that I wanted to do a scene by the pool because that would give me a different color palette and it would give me a different vibe. Um, so, and I wanted, and part of the you know, if you're in a in a house, person's house, most of the time you're not going into the bedrooms of their house for a birthday party. So, excuse me, I knew that the majority of the party participants would be in the common areas, but I wanted each of the the seductions to happen in one of the inappropriate places to be, in, including like a kid's bedroom, which I thought was really, really wrong. And I wanted it to be, you know, I thought it would be really funny to have that kind of um, contrast. So yes, it was a lot of planning and plotting and shot listing to make sure that it didn't feel repetitive. Um, You know, that that was, that was the challenge. And and what I really wanted to do was give us a, uh, a sense of scope to a house without feeling claustrophobic. You know, here's the thing. I, I want to ask a writer question and it seems that you're by nature a writer, but, but then I'm sure you've had a lot of writer friends or just people asking for advice who just probably tell you, I, I fear the blank page. So I guess is the easy answer. Well, if you fear the blank page, you're probably not a writer because some people maybe go on their whole lives being very neurotic and anxiety ridden about actually putting pen to pad. Whereas people like you maybe have nervous, a little bit of nerves, but you just do it. So I just, I subscribe to this thing that they call the vomit draft. Um, I've heard a couple of people talk about it. Uh, Judd Apatow talks about the vomit draft and someone described it really, really well. So I don't, and I can't remember who this is, but you want to be wrong as fast as possible um, and not censor yourself. So the, the, the advice that I always give people who are writers is you want to start writing as if you're trying to decide what to write, write the story that you know the ending to that you, that, and that you want to get to the end that, you know, you can get to the end of um, because then you, you know, you can finish it. And that the real work will then start when you take a look at it afterwards and, and really beat it up. I mean, my first draft on some things is like 140 pages and then I get it down to a hundred. So I cut, you know, almost a third of it out. Um, and it's not just cutting, I shape it, I change it. It, it, it becomes, something. I, and I often feel like there's no, you, you don't know exactly what's going to be the, the, when you do the rewrite, it's when you are finding the buried treasure, like, oh, this, that's the theme. This is a moment that I can then echo here and I can echo here and I can have as a through line for this character. Um, so I just think, you know, write as, write as fast as you can. Try not to edit yourself while you're, write, while you're writing your vomit draft. Just go, 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 get it all on, on the page and then become the neurotic person who hates yourself. <laughs> on that level is one of the drawbacks with your movie is the fact that you're working with so many talented people and you probably fantasize about having the funds or the opportunities of a Robert Altman to just cast all your ensemble on more movies together and just have a 20 year roll on with these people. I, I would know. love that. And I've told all of them like, I would, there's so many people who, you know, I've looked up to so many of them for so long. I mean, Rob Corddry is, is one of my idols. Children's hospital is one of the greatest shows ever made on TV. And I've loved Mullen ever since the heartbreak kid. And I've been a fan of, you know, through children's hospital, Aaron 
for forever and Ryan Hansen on Party Down and Veronica Mars and and Jerry O'Connell. I mean, I grew up watching Jerry O'Connell. Um, you know, there's in Cedric Yarbrough from Reno, you know, 911. It's it, it's shocking. I looked at the at the call sheet every day and was like blown away. Then it's also the wonderful thing where you get an opportunity to to have someone's big screen debut like Bria Henderson. It's this is her first comedy that she's been you know she's so good and she's so good i know it's (laughs) it's uh, and when we did the first scene with her it was it was malin and aaron and bria together in a scene and i got goosebumps at the end of that scene and i and i was i turned to the dp and i said this is what it was like probably for the folks who made girls trip when they did their first scene with tiffany haddish you know she was so outstanding and and malin and aaron were kind of like Oh, okay. That we're we got to get to that level. It's awesome, Tom. The transition from writing to directing. Obviously, you're doing both. When other writers ask you about that transition, do you think for some it's not as hard as one would envision? You know what I mean. What is the biggest, I guess, bridge that said writers have to do as far as if they want to make the leap to where you are? Or well, the most, yeah. I think that the thing that is the most important to remember is that. The movie that's in your head is is just one of the movies that's possible. And the moment that you cast a person in that role, you have to love their performance and love them and listen to who they are and what they're bringing to the role. You you may have heard in your head like, you know, Dwayne Johnson in the character and and you know, maybe you get to work with Jane, Dwayne Johnson and he's not the way that he he's and he does it differently than the way that you had it in your head. You have to let go of that that part of it and and honor the story. So you just you, you're always focusing on what's the important story here? How's what's the truth of this moment and really encourage people to bring their very best to it. And be open to what they're bringing because it's the worst thing in the world you can do to an actor is force them into a small, force them to be small and do what you had only in your head. Like, listen, let them do a couple, listen to the rehearsal, see what they're bringing, see if you can shape it, see if there's something that they're bringing that you didn't see before. See if there's, and if you know that there's something they need to bring in, find a way to bring that to them so that you're meeting together to create something new. Um, that's the hardest thing for a writer is to divorce themselves from the voice in their head that, that heard all of the parts spoken, you know, in their head and, and, and saw the movie in their head. You have to realize that the world is now where you're going to be. And you wanted to shoot in a building that had a view out at the ocean, but th- that was going to cost three times your budget. So you can't do, you know, like whatever it is, you have to figure out that and and see it not as a um as a compromise but as a challenge like that's the big thing is to invigorate your your work with being present in the moment and 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 really responding to what's being given to you 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 mentioned the word challenge and i looked at your twitter feed and you i think you mentioned something about the the long road paraphrasing long road it took to get the donor party and home delivery to these doors, uh, I guess I don't have you for an hour, but I guess in some, what was the biggest challenge for you? And I think on home delivery, there is one of the cast members. I don't know if I'm correct on this is Leslie and Warren. I'm a Gen Xer. And I think that must be a dream come true along with these other actors you've been able oh, to work yeah, with. Yeah. I mean, Peter McNichol, I, <laughs> Ghostbusters too, grew up with him. Um, Ally McBeal, you know, and Joe Pantoliano's in it. Oh, like I Joey Pants. Yeah, it's Joey Pants. crazy. So yeah, I and and then just getting to I mean the call sheets every day. I, I worked with great casting directors, great producers on both. Um, the challenge w- was always me, you know. It was in in terms of you know they may love the script, and a lot of people have loved both of the scripts, but it's it's trusting a first time director with the material. Um, you know, do you understand it? And that's honestly the reason why I started making a lot of stuff for Funny or Die and, and working on uh, those kinds of things so that I could, first of all, prove to myself that I could do it and then prove to other people that I could do it. Tom, a couple of final questions. And this the first one's a two-parter. Okay. The, 
A, These are great one, questions, by the way. Thank you. Oh, th- thank, thank you for, the th- for your time. But uh, first off, can you name one of your all-time favorite films? Why is this movie special to you as a cinephile? And then I guess the, the B part of that question is, can you unearth a movie that you feel is completely underrated, overlooked, and that you feel needs more people to watch? So apologize for these two big questions. No, those, are, those are great questions. Um, well, okay. I, uh, here's a good, a good answer to part one. Um, I named my son, I gave my son a middle name of Wilder because I love Billy Wilder's movies. And um, my aspiration is if I can make a movie that's as smart as a Billy Wilder movie without the Hayes Code, that's what I'm aiming for. Like, I really want to be, and and his films are messy and, and wonderful. And, you know, and I, there's not a single ending better than some like it hot, you know, well, nobody's perfect is you're, it's just, forget it. You're never going to beat nobody's perfect. Um, so I, you know, but my favorite movie is his, of his is the apartment. And it's, I think it's a movie that really, the other movie I'm going to tell you is, is probably the most important movie for me. Um, but the apartment was when I was like, so you can, you can talk about loneliness. You can talk about, um, relationships. You can talk about, uh, infidelity. You can talk about all those kinds of things and still get laughs. And that's a real, so I always loved that movie for that. Um, the other movie that I feel I saw at a time when it just, it hit me when my DNA was forming, um, of who I am as a person is flirting with disaster. David O. Russell's, um, flirting with disaster. And, People don't talk about it that much uh, because he's won Academy Awards for all this other stuff, but, and good, good on him. But that movie is a perfect movie. It is like the ensemble cast. When I look back at it, I watched it last year and I was like, it, it has seeped into my DNA so, so deeply. When I look at, I've like, I love writing ensemble comedies. Well, that's an ensemble comedy. I love family dynamics. Well, that's in, in both you know, that's in flirting with disaster all over the place. I love the un, you know, non-traditional ways of looking at family and the sort of, you know, it seemed like a good idea at the time is one of my favorite um, engines for a story. And when you look at the apartment, it seemed like a good idea at the time to rent your apartment out, to move up the corporate ladder. And it seemed like a good idea at the time to go looking for your biological parents, you know, and then all of the stuff that happens as a result. I, I without being able to articulate at the time, those two movies really hit deep and affected me really strongly. Um, so yeah, those are my two. Thank you, Tom, so much for your time. I just wanted to very uh, very quickly mention that, that that Aaron Hayes monologue by the pool when she's talking about being a parent is absolutely bleeping boring. It's so layered and beautiful because as a watcher, you're, re- you're realizing she's saying it's so it's boring as you know what, but you're not going to experience a deeper love in your life period. Yeah. So I think that was amazing. So thank you so much. That's, I mean, I think that's the reason why she signed on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, thank you. So yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. So, but I, I'm really, yeah, that scene is one of, I mean, I, there's so many scenes that are, that I love so much, but that is definitely one of the highlights. It's a beautiful scene. Thank you so much, Tom, for thank your time. You. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. You too. Bye. Bye. I, I guess I'll I'll just start right now. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. So Aaron, this is a very funny movie. It feels like it, I mean this in the best way. It, it had a very improvisational flair to it. Is that just yeah. a credit to Tom and what he was doing? Or is it a credit to you guys? A little bit of both. How did you guys get that natural feeling within that enclosed space? I, I really enjoyed it. I think it was, uh, well, it was definitely a little bit of both. I mean, the script is solid. It was very fun. And then Tom is, He's such a comedy fan. Like he, you know, he's a good writer. He's a great guy. He's so like energetic. And he was so excited to have the cast that he had. So he was like, if you guys have anything, if you have suggestions before we start shooting, if you have things you don't want to say, if you have things you want to add, if you want to improv some, of course, totally go for it. And then, you know, I mean, with everything, you work from the script and then you add a little bit in. So there was certainly, um, but yeah, there was a lot of improvised stuff and I was happy. He would, um, I think a lot of my, a lot of my improvs made it in. I think because I was like, I had the most free kind of character. My character, like a quarter of the way through gets 
you know, drinks a glass of wine that is laced with a bunch of Molly. So then it's like yeah. all bets are off in terms of what I should, can, can't say, I can do whatever I want, which was fun. I really can just, just talk about that without giving too much away that monologue yeah. about your character's journey from being just a party girl or just a, a person, a normal college kid going from doing that to becoming a mother, a responsible mother. Yeah. And I love that monologue. Can you, was that a lot oh, of prep for that? You. Yeah. So yeah. That, was, that was, I mean, I think that it was initially, I, I talked a lot with Tom about it beforehand and was like, I don't think we get quite to the crux of what it is with, with this character. I mean, she's coming from the place of, of she did, like, she feels that she's lost herself a little bit, you know, like she used to be fun and now she is arranging kids things and parties and and uh she's like a little bored in her life and so we kind of worked it out of like what might be funniest and what might be most real and because it is it is her moment to like kind of bear her soul to her friend and tell her where she's coming from so we did we worked on it a bunch and then and then we got in the pool and it was like just a couple degrees too cold. Like they had the heater on, but it was just a little too cold. <laughs> so like, great, let's do it. We got, we got like, a, you know, let's not do this too much. <laughs> let's get it. So we kind of just like threw it out there and tried a bunch of different stuff. But I was happy with what ended up yeah. on screen. Well, Aaron, you're not going to be happy with me for a couple of th- reasons. I, oh, I no. really wish I could turn back time. And I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you, what have I missed within the last 10 years? Because I hear so many great things about Children's Hospital. Oh, what am I missing with that? That's part A and oh. an, an absolute sacrilege. I still at 51 have not seen a Christmas story. I've seen the scenes, but what am I missing with that iconic thing? And what was, what has it been like being part of that sequel and having it so beloved as well? So those yeah. two questions. Well, if you've never watched any children's hospital and you are a fan of kind of like alt meta comedy, then, then that's a treat you have all waiting for you. Um, I mean, that was, I still do think that was probably the most fun thing I've ever worked on. That was like so far the highlight of my career personally, getting to work with all of these people that I just adore and look up to and think are the funniest people out there. So getting to do that and the medical police, absolutely. That is like a treasure waiting for you. Um, and then Christmas story, you've never said, oh my God, I'm so, I'm like I, it was always on in my house. It was all, you know, with that marathon, 24 hour marathon, you would just like put it on. It was just this like piece of nostalgia, which is weird because it wasn't nostalgia for me. I didn't grow up in the forties. So like, yeah, I wasn't like, I didn't do any of that, but it was just that like perfect childhood point of view that everybody can relate to of wanting the thing for Christmas and the parent, your parents are standing in the way and your teachers don't get you and nobody's understanding how important this is. Um, so getting a chance to be in a Christmas story, Christmas, which I think is a, a beautiful and such a cute movie um, was so wonderful. I felt so lucky to be a part of it truly. And I am so proud of that movie. Uh, I think it's fantastic. And especially for people that were fans of the first movie, it, I, I think is a perfect sequel to that. They, they did a great job. Are you able to actually watch the donor party and laugh as an audience member or as a cinephile, or is it hard because you and the ensemble and the filmmaker were just so close to the project? Can you divorce yourself from that? Uh, I can watch stuff that I'm in I'll just expand it to things that I'm in and projects I do like to watch them because especially working with fun, really funny people that I admire I really want to see the scenes that I wasn't in so like watching donor party and seeing the scenes between Malin and Ryan or Jerry or the stuff that happens in the bathroom with her and Dan and all of that stuff that I wasn't there for. I fully, I, that's what I can laugh at and watch. And then we'll text and be like, Oh my God, you're hilarious. Uh, I don't necessarily want laugh at the things that I did more. I'm like, hmm, I like breaking it up. It'd be like, that didn't play the way I thought, or, Oh, I'm happy with that or whatever. But um, the scenes that I'm not in, I love watching those. You know, Erwin, from from people like me who are outsiders looking in, they can go on your IMDb and they can just look at all of these great projects you've been in. Please do. Right. And and here's the thing. <laughs> there, I think some people who are probably a tunnel vision are saying, oh, well, 
the acting game for you is is pretty you're a vet so it's not as hard as it was for you at the beginning is that a myth meaning is it always going to be a challenge no matter what um part of the ladder or stage you are as an actor as far as working in the business yeah i think it's always a challenge i mean it's it's um feast or famine that's kind of it tends to be that and maybe some people it's not that as much but you know the the first half of last year, I was so busy to the point where I was like, okay, all right, a little break will be good. And then we'll, you know, we're a little slow down. And now these last like six months, I've, you know, had a dentist appointment and I had a couple things. <laughs> like, I just like, there's, you know, I'm like, hello, where is it? Where's everybody? Hollywood, are you there? Um, I know something will come. Um, but I think that's the way it is for most people. They, you work a bunch or you work some and then you sit some and then you wonder if there will ever be work again. And then you get more work and you are like, Oh, you're right. I work. And then it goes away. It's just this weird kind of cycle. Um, And I'm sure at certain levels, some of that goes away. Maybe when you're just the people that are being offered stuff all the time, but I don't really, most of the people and friends that I talk to are all, in the same boat, regardless of level, you're just like, how is it for you right now? Are you having, okay. Oh, good, good. Yay. Or, oh, sorry. You know? Yeah. Aaron, final question. Now this is a two-parter, you know, for my find your film podcast, I ask actors and filmmakers to look at speaking of IMDb to look at their resume. And is there one particular project TV or movie that you feel is either overlooked, underrated that you would like people, more people to check out and why? And the second part of my question is the requisite can you off the top of your head, can you name one of your all-time favorite films and why does it speak to you? So does it, oh, it. okay. All right. Um, things that have people haven't seen in me. Oh, you know what? A movie that I absolutely love is It's a Disaster. It that was a little indie movie I did with like America Ferrera, Julia Stiles, David Cross, like all these guys that work together all the time, written by and directed by Todd Berger. It's I 100 percent endorse this movie. It's about friends, a couple's brunch. And then the end of the world happens and we're stuck inside and we're mostly dealing with our own shit. Um, so funny, so good. I would love, we were trying to put together a sequel on that. Um, so if anyone's got a couple million dollars they want to throw away, that'd be great. Uh, and so you're then, still open to a sequel if that person has a mo- oh, couple million bucks? No, there's a script. There's a script and they're trying to put something together, but it just, you know, funding, we need funding. Who, yeah. Who's got the millions? Send it our way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, everybody's on board. And then... Like, One of my yeah. all-time favorite movies. I mean, two, like, like the classic is the one that is my absolute Groundhog Day. That's my favorite movie, hands down, done, done. Um, and then another one, like, on the other side of it is probably, did you ever see Immortal Beloved, the movie about Beethoven? I am, it's the Aaron, most I am. beautiful. I am so old. I did the press junket. I interviewed Yaron Crabe and um, I, lo- I loved yeah. it so much. I mean, it's so it's such a beautiful movie, and the end sequence with the Ode to Joy and the kid, and he's running, and then and it's all, and all of the times that they set these symphonies and these pieces to music, explaining what the emotion could have been coming from, was so so well done. I love that. I love that movie. Did that film make you more of a Beethoven enthusiast or were you already walking into that movie? And it just, I mean, I already was, but it definitely made it more. Yeah. Okay. Aaron, thank you so much. Really love the donor party. Laughed out loud a couple of times. So great job. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Take care.